Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the word today. Father, thank you so much for your word. And I acknowledge that it's very uh, difficult to do anything without you. So I offer myself up to you, Father, to speak through. I uh, say that I need your help. I acknowledge I need your help, Lord, to minister your word. So I thank you for that, Lord, that you helped me to get this out, and it would be clear in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. As we're getting into this today, I just wanted to remind you some things. Uh, The Lord gave this, uh, I don't know how many weeks or months ago, uh, but it's just a reminder as we, uh, we're not going to teach on it, but the Lord said this, uh, he brought up spiritual laws, cooperate, cooperate with them, graces, receive, discover, and labor in them, promises, possess them, commandments, do them, authority, exercise it, callings, answer them, gifts of the Spirit flow in them. So I thought when he gave it to us that I was going to teach them all out, but I mean, we still could, but I thought it was just such a real roadmap, uh, you know, Christianity and important things in a nutshell that he gave us. So it's just something that we can always remind ourselves of because see, every Christian can cooperate with spiritual laws. Every Christian, there's graces that we can receive, discover, labor in. There's promises we can possess. There's commandments that we're told to do. There's, we all have authority. All of us have authority. Can everyone say all of us? Not somebody that just stands behind a pulpit. It's all Christians have authority that we can exercise. Callings of God, and there's so many uh, different callings of God. There's divine time, timing, divine timing and callings. Uh, and uh, I just, just so desire that everyone is sensitive to that and just gifts of the Spirit that we can flow in. And then last week, Passy brought this, it, it brought good order to this, and, and so she brought forth the believer's arsenal, a, a collection or supply of weapons or muni- munitions. So the name, which we sang today, the word, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, and fruit of the Spirit. So those are just, you know, all things that we have. We just have so much, you know. <laughs> You can never get bored in Christ. You can never get bored with his word. You can never get bored at all in Christianity. And, uh, and you know, sometimes when people, maybe you don't have anything to do and it slips out of your mouth that I'm bored, but really, you know, if you really think about it, you know, how could you be bored with him, with his word and all we have? So sometimes it just helps to get out of that place by not saying it. You know, if you always say you're tired, you're going to walk around like this. But if you always say you're bored, you're going to, you know. So, you know, just don't say it all the time. Okay, I've I got to get into what we're getting. So today I'd like to uh, talk about the sword of the Spirit. So let's look at some scriptures. Ephesians 6, 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. So first thing, that just to point out here, because there can be different belief systems that, uh, that Christians have, and so if we look at this scripture, 
and take it for what it's worth, we could say this, that uh, when we get out of bed in the morning and we think, well, I wonder what God's going to do with me today, um, and, and then based on that, whatever happens, you say, well, God was in control. But just, like, look at this scripture now. It's saying to us, you take up the whole armor of God. So God has armor, and he's saying it's up to us Christians to take it up. And then he, when he says take it up, he said that you may be able to what? To withstand in the evil day. In other words, if we get out of bed in the morning and say, well, whatever you have for me, God, and we don't acknowledge that there's armor, and we don't acknowledge that we can put it on, and then if something happens, we would say, well, God intended for that to happen. But did he? You know, so out of a sincere heart, I, I, you know, and uh, with all the love I can say, it's important that we don't blame God for everything, okay? I, I have real trouble. He's my, Jesus is my Lord, and he's my Father, and I don't want to blame him for things that he's not responsible for, okay? So it says, you take up this armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all the stand, stand therefore. So there's, it's what it's telling us is as Christians, he gave us these things, and if we, if we actually do them, we can actually prevent some things from happening. It can, we can prevent some things from happening. So uh, I even think about, you know, uh, I do it quite often. You know, I've said it many times how I love my daughters, but I, I have a bigger circle of people that I love even than my daughters. But I, I, I ask the Lord, I say, Father, because the Bible, even in the book of Psalms, says no evil will come near your dwelling. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And I say, Father, I thank you for protecting. Now I have two son-in-laws, Mitch and Anna and Evan and Lily. I thank you that your hand of protection is on them, and Father, that you protect them uh, from any evil, Father God, that no evil will come near their dwelling, that no weapon formed against them. I'm, I'm putting up a shield, and I'm putting out protection. But I, I, I do a bigger circle than that. I could be praying as somebody comes to my attention. You know, even like, of course, you know, we work closely with Kenzie, and our, our daughter, you know, lost her baby. When, when you have something that close to home, then you're really more aware of everyone. So I'm praying one morning, and I say, Father, getting a little emotional, sorry, but um, I just thank you for protecting Kenzie and that she'll carry that baby, you know, and um, <clears throat> I feel like a wimp right now, uh, okay, all right, but see, but, but you know, but you, you become really aware of things and then you just put, you just pray that protection on everyone, you know, so this is something we can do. And so it says then, it starts talking about the, the armor. So having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So you see, it's talking about us putting, you fasten it and you put it on and we can't teach on all of this today. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And then uh, verse 16, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Now, this shield of faith, you know, it's, it's like putting up a shield. 
and it says with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And so you can see that if this is something God says, I'm giving you armor, and you can put this armor on, you can see that it, God doesn't intend for everything that happens to us during the day for it to happen, because he says, I'm giving you this armor that you can put on, and that you can put up the shield. And so, you know, I've told this story before, but uh, if you haven't heard, there's a guy, he's up in heaven now, his name was Charles Capps. And, and there's, you know, he was a very disciplined Christian, but I'm sure he was not disciplined in a legalistic way, but it was by grace and that it was his hunger for God and the word that he was so consistent in putting up a shield. Because if we do it out of legalism or any of that, it's, it doesn't really amount to that much. But when you're just hungry for the word and you just do it because it's revelation, you know, and you want to do it. So he would always put up a shield. And he would always confess the word over himself. And so he's flying in his airplane, and he has a really, a really sharp pain in his side. And he thinks, man, that's hurting. And he had this real small airplane, just a, I don't know if it was a single, single propeller or double, not an expensive plane. Uh, you know, you can get them starting at $250,000, you know, less than a house here uh, on those little propeller planes. So he's, but he's all by himself no one else in the plane and he's got this sharp side it's a pain in his side he lands and goes right to the emergency room they take x-rays and they say your uh, your appendix has burst which you usually die you know qu pretty quick but they said really a strange thing is there's like an invisible sac there and all of the liquid is all contained in some kind of invisible sac they just cut him open took it all out sewed him up and he went home well i don't know if he went home immediately but you see, see what I'm, but interesting because he was, you know, he, he could have died and, you know, he could have crashed and then somebody could have said God intended that for him. But he, he was putting up that shield. You see what I'm saying? And um, so there's, there's, we just have to make sure um, that we know everything God has given us. Now, I, I like to say this, you know, that if, if a Christian loses a battle, Maybe they weren't prepared for something, or maybe there's something they overlooked. If you're a Christian, you never lose. You might lose one battle, but you go to heaven if you die. You can't lose as a Christian. It's a win-win all the time. And I don't think any of us should carry any guilt or shame around if we aren't as consistent as we desire to be. I have joy all the time. I could always say, oh, I should pray more, I should do that. I, I don't do that. That's one thing I don't do. When I pray, I pray. When I read, I read. When I study, I study. But I don't, I don't examine myself to the degree that I rob myself of any joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I'm going to be happy all the time. You know? And so if I pray more one day and I don't pray the next, I'm not going to lose joy over that. You see what I'm saying? So, so when we teach these things, it's not to make anyone feel inferior or, or like anyone is any more spiritual than another person, or you're a faith giant and I'm not, nothing like that. God loves us and he wants to help us, you know? And so th this is stuff to help us, um, not for us to compare ourselves with anyone else. So he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we just want to look at today and, and uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
So we've said this before about the different ways that you can release faith. And so this way that we're going to talk today is well, the sword. But here's some other ways. You can release faith as a shield. We just looked at it. Ephesians 6, 16. You can put up a shield by getting the promises of God and feeding on them and declaring them. And you put up that shield of faith. Then you can release faith like a hand. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. When you pray, believe what you say will come to pass and you'll have what you pray. When you pray, believe what you pray will come to pass. You believe it'll come to pass before you even have it and you shall have. That's like receiving with a hand. And then there is the sword. And the sword is offensive when you pray. That is like Jesus said you can speak to a mountain. And when you speak to that mountain, if you believe what you say will come to pass, you will have what you say. That's offensive. So these are different ways as Christians we can release our faith. So today we want to just see, first of all, it puts a lot more weight on everything if we see, did Jesus do something like this when he walked on the earth? So let's look at Mark 11, uh, uh, Mark 11, 13, and you see here that Jesus spoke God's word. And so it says, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now look at this. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now, I've never spoke to a fig tree because i got a lot more things I need to speak to than go look for a fig tree. <laughs> Do you understand? This is a demonstration on speaking. But, and so even when I say Jesus spoke God's word, you know, Jesus just gave us an example of authority and, and what you can do, uh, but he gave us promises, and, he, and there are situations in our life where we need those promises so you don't have to go to Mount Cotton and speak to any, you know, grape vines there because they need those to make the wine over there. Okay, and then look at, jumping down in verse number 20, it says, as they passed by in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. So he spoke to it and something happened and it happened at the roots. In other words, when you, when you take care of a problem at the roots and it dies at the roots, that means it won't come back. And God so desires for us to have our victories at the root. Get it at the root and it's gone. Uh, and so then in, in verse number 21, it says, Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you curse has withered. And so some people say, well, you know, these Christians that have, throughout the years, they've been, they are cursing something, you know, they curse it at the roots. And where did that come from? Well, this is actually where it came from. You know, that that's where it came from. So you, you can speak to sickness or disease and, and curse it at the roots. But, you know, it's a lot more powerful when you use even uh, 1 Peter 2.24, uh, where it, it actually says in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you're healed. So you use the promise in the word when you do those kind of things, okay? So uh, those are, that's one place that Jesus uh, did that. Now, you know, there's another place where Jesus, the centurion came, in, and you can put that up there, and, he, and the centurion sent somebody to Jesus, and he said, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. And so his servant was in a different place, and Jesus sent the word. It was a different location, and a servant was healed. 
And so can we do these things today? And well, here, here's a story that's not real old. I mean, it didn't happen 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or even 50 years ago. This happened not so long ago. A friend of mine, I was the best man in his wedding, and uh, he got very sick, and they, they moved from their, the city that I became friends with him, and they went to Atlanta, Georgia in that area, and they planted a church in their pastoring. He got so sick that he couldn't even call his pastor to ask for prayer. His wife did. So she calls, and she puts it on speakerphone, and he's in the room, and she said, Pastor so-and-so, uh, he's so sick, he's going to die. And so his pastor said, well, what does he call me? Now, there was a reason why he said, what does he call me? Because this pastor just happened to grow up in the shadow of a, of a great man. So some people called him Junior, and, and they compared him to his father. And, and it was like, you can tell when people have disrespect in their voice for a certain person. So he says, what does he call me? And she said, pastor. Because, you know, when Jesus was in his hometown, the people that called him the carpenter, they couldn't receive anything. But the people that saw him as the Christ, the anointed one, they were received. And so it really helps us to receive from one another, even husbands from wives and wives from husbands, when we have that respect that there's a gift in my wife or there's a gift in me, it really helps us to receive from one another. So in this case, he says, what, what does he call me? And she said, pastor. So he said, in the name of Jesus, I curse that, whatever it was, and command it, whatever he did. And when he did that, she got knocked up against the wall in her house and slid down the wall, and he was healed. He's alive today and pastoring in Georgia. You know, and so can we send the word? Well, I know some people say when the last apostle died, all this stuff ended, but I'm telling you, I've seen too much of it. I can't buy into that. You know, I've seen too much signs and wonders and miracles going on to buy into that, okay? But on the other side of this coin, those people that say that, I can, they're in the body of Christ, and I can fellowship with them over the things that we believe, and I will, I want to be in unity with the whole body, okay? So I, I want to make sure that that's the heart of our church. Okay, so let's, let's talk about what the sword of the Spirit does. And when you think about this sword of the Spirit, um, in the Old Testament, they had steel swords. They were physical things, steel. In the New Testament, we have this spiritual sword. It can't be seen with the natural eye, but it's a spiritual sword. In the Old Testament, when they used the physical swords against other physical beings, humans, or what, it brought physical results. That physical sword cut and hurt and killed. The amazing thing about our spiritual sword, even though it's a spiritual sword that we can't see, when we know how to use it and apply it, it eventually, sometimes suddenly, if it's not suddenly, but it can be eventually bring physical results. In other words, this spiritual sword, our kingdom, everything originates in the realm of the spirit. But when that happens, it can manifest into the physical realm, and that spiritual sword, used the right way, can bring healing in a physical body. That spiritual sword can change. I mean, you know, we, we could debate whether that's the sword when we prayed for rain, and 
and we had rain that broke out, I don't know how many months ago when that happened, but we could say, you know, it all starts in the realm of the spirit. We pray, but then there's a physical manifestation. Rain comes. That's real stuff. You know, these things that start off in the spirit can end up physical. And I think that's powerful and awesome. So here's one way that it can work. Uh, we're going to just look at two ways that it can work, this sword. So in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it, first of all, it, number one, it works in us, this sword that we're talking about. In Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, and then let's look at another translation of that verse. Uh, it's in uh, Weymouth. It says, for God's message is full of life and power and is keener than the sharpest two-edged sword. It pierces even, and I like this way, to the severance of soul from spirit and penetrates between the joints and the marrow and it can discern the secret thoughts and purposes of the heart. And no created thing is able to escape its scrutiny but everything lies bare and completely exposed before the eyes of him whom we have to do. So we could say this about, it's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the book, the Bible, God's Word, is not a dead book. According to this, it's full of life and power. And we could say this, God's Word is a serious weapon that works both in us and for us. You see that two-edged sword, because what does it say here? It's full of life and power, and it, can, it pierces to the severance of the soul and the spirit. That's working in us. So this two-edged sword, we could say this, sometimes you're not well enough, in, even in a spiritual way, not just physical, and it's really tough to pick up the sword and use it for you, like, in other words, use it for the weapon. But what's really amazing is that sword, it can work in you first and make you strong and whole. So I, I, I think we could say this, the weapon fixes us, it teaches us, corrects us, instructs us, empowers us, prepares us, and on and on. We could say this, that weapon, when it works in us, it makes us soldiers who both desire and are empowered to pick up the sword and use it for us. And so if you're listening today and you're feeling not so strong and thinking, I, I just, you know, you're talking about picking up a sword like a, a soldier and doing some battle, and I'm just thinking, man, I got some things. And guess what? Good news. It's a two-edged sword, and it will work in us and fix us Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. Just one, many scriptures say this, but it says, every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for convincing, for correction of error, and for instruction in doing right. So you see, what, see that's, that's not, that is like helping the person so that the man of God may himself be complete and be perfectly equipped for every good work. That sword works in us. That sword can fix us. 
So we could say this, the most important document for the child of God is the written word of God. So we could say, without God's word, we have nothing to stand on. Without his word, we will develop our own belief system based on theory and supposition. If we choose to formulate our own belief system without submitting to the word of God, we will build our life on sinking sand. It's just a you know, comment. We, we all have to be aware that we can be emotional and, and emotions, and I, I want to say that there's many times I've cried in church because what happened in the realm of the spirit touched me in such a way that I physically cried, but faith is not, to have faith doesn't mean it's emotional. Faith comes from hearing the word of God, and we never want to confuse an emotional experience with faith. Because when it hits you, it doesn't really matter how you feel. It starts in the realm of the spirit, and it comes into your heart, and then we move out of that place. So, you know, in the Old, in the Old Testament, plus every other religion in the world except Christianity, it, it's, a lot of it's all out here. You'll focus on yourself, what you do, you know, you, you, you. But in Christianity, it starts on the inside. And then it works out. It starts in the realm of the spirit, but it makes a big difference even in the natural realm. So we could say, um, if we, here's another, just we'll move on. The word of God is the plumb line, straight and true, setting us and keeping us on course. And anyone that does this kind of work would know a plumb line, but you see that's a plumb line right there. And, um, and so that wall's getting, you know, there, there's concrete and they're putting those bricks in. The wall is going to go up straight if they use a plumb line because everything's going, that sets it. And so uh, many of us have used plumb lines before as we've done things. The word of God is the plumb line in our life. And anytime anyone goes off crooked, you get that plumb line out and you get straight back again. That's just like a little different words to use there, but that's what it does. Everything, that word of God sets everything. So one last thing, the word of God is the rock upon which we establish our lives. Without it, the church is lost. Okay, so let's look at this thing, because most of the world, you know, doesn't uh, know this. I'm talking about the non-Christian world. I didn't know it, you know, but, you know, there's spirit, soul, and body. And you see that in, in the scripture that we read, that the word of God can, it can separate or cause a severance between the soul and the spirit and penetrates between the joints and the marrow and, and this. So when I grew up, I didn't know that I was a spirit, I had a soul, and I lived in a body. I didn't know that. And then the people that entertain us, you know, they're not going to tell us that because they don't know unless they're born again. So, you know, you had the Blues Brothers and John Bellucci and all, and the other guy, and they sang, I'm a soul man. You know, well, why, why didn't they sing, I'm a spirit man? Because they didn't know. You got you to be born again and get a revelation that you're a spirit, and you have a soul, and you live in a body. And then, you know, this other words that they use, like soul searching, I'm soul searching. 
Well, the Spirit of God searches our hearts. And, you know, there, the Spirit of, goes much deeper than the soul. It's all, you know, the, the Spirit is, it starts there. And what happens here can make a difference up here. But if you don't know that, you think everything's here. And, and, and this is all it's about. But it's about the Spirit, you know, and it starts there. And so here's just a little thing. I, I took this out of uh, the, the a man of God's book here. So look what it says, the spirit, soul, and body, just giving a definition of it. So the spirit um, is uh, the dimension of man which deals with the spiritual realm, the part of man that knows God. And it's really good to train ourselves. When you say who you are, don't say I'm a body and I have a soul and somewhere in there there's a spirit. (laughs) No, we want to say and train ourselves, I'm a spirit. And then I have a soul. The soul is the dimension of man which deals with the mental realm, man's intellect, the sensibilities and will, the part that reasons and thinks. And then you have the body. That's the dimension of man which deals with the physical realm. And it's the house that we live in, the real us, the real us. The real you is going to go to heaven and your body will be buried somewhere. You know, so a lot of times the world thinks the real you and they even write to dead people. They say, rest in peace, but that person is somewhere. They're either in heaven or somewhere else. You hope, always hope they're in heaven, but they say, rest in peace, old friend. And that old friend didn't hear that because that old friend went somewhere, and that was just the body that was left on, on the earth. You know? And so you know, this is our one opportunity to get to know God on the earth. And, and so with, with this in mind, you know, the word of God so that phrase there, it says in, in the, the Weymouth translation, it says, it pierces even to the severance of soul from spirit and penetrates between the joints and the marrow and it can discern the secret thoughts and purposes of the heart. So, you know, severance means separate or division. So here's, here's what we could say. God's word is the one and only thing that can separate our souls from our spirits. Nothing else in the world can do that. You know, they got hypnotists and this and that, people that try to mess around in the spiritual realm. They can't do that. It's only the creator of the universe that created us, that made us, intimately did all those things, that his word and his truth can make a separation between our soul and our spirits. He's the only one that can do that. So we could say this in 1 Peter 1.23, because you have had a new birth, not from the seed of man, but from eternal seed. You know, when our parents made us, that was the seed of man. But this birth is an eternal seed, and it's through the word of God through the word of the living and unchanging God. You know, we're, we're here together, and all of us that confess Jesus as Lord, we have the creator of the whole universe living on the inside of us. That's why I said, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't be bored if we allow that to really sink in, that we have the creator, the all-powerful living God, by his spirit, living on the inside of us. He made us new. You've had a new birth. We're new. 
And then Hebrews 8.10, it says, for this, so we're new, but then it says, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, and we're enjoying this, us Gentiles, but I know maybe you might be Jewish or two, uh, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Before Jesus died and this became possible, he wrote on tablets of stone. And most everything else in the world is written on paper or electronically. There's only one person. We, I, I, it's not even right to call him a person. There's only one in the world, in the universe, that can write something in the heart. Everything else is written somewhere else. Every other religion, they write on paper or whatever they write on. There's only one that can write it in the heart. Oh, my. Oh, did, oh we should praise him. Let's just praise him. Oh, my. He can write in our heart his words. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So God's living word first makes us new creatures, and then additionally, he puts his word into our hearts, too. No one else can do that. No one else can make you new. They're, the founder of every other religion in the world died and is in the grave, and they rotted. There's only one founder of one religion that's alive, and that is Jesus Christ. The other ones just died. They just had some theories, but they didn't offer life. They have a bunch of theories, and it can be all intellectual, but there's only one that has life and truth, and that's him. He's not in his grave. He rose. And I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I can't put anyone else on his level. There's no one that comes close to that. And he put his word on the inside of us. No one else, nobody can do that except him. So we could say this, God's word is the only thing that can impart truth to our spirits. And that's God's truth. So we can say this, the word goes directly to our spirits, our hearts. It goes deep, it cuts deep, it reveals thoughts and intents. Un un amazing, just unreal, but yet real. <laughs> just wonderful. <laughs> my and so like that word so we were working in another country years ago and you know we all would like to think we grow spiritually but somebody my friend and peer in the ministry did some something to not just me but just kind of like uh it was a betrayal that hurt the ministry and so i i got hurt you know and and i didn't take care of it quickly so then my wife had to watch it work on me you know, and what happens is if you don't take care of it quickly, then you'll start building a narrative in your mind. And they've gone on, you know, they, they don't really, you think they hate you or something, but they made a mistake, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, and they go on, but you build this narrative and they, they did, and then, you know, you got this thing all built and it's like a stronghold in your mind, you know, and you just have a problem. If, if nothing changes, you actually have a problem with that person for the rest of your life because you don't let go of it. So I'm in, I'm in this place, and, and it affects everything. It affects your effectiveness and your fruitfulness in the kingdom. It affects your prayer life. It just has an effect when you're, when you're in unforgiveness. What 
penetrated and got through this thick, you know, and, and I was living in Italy at the time, and, and don't, every, don't anyone come up to me and, and do this to me, but my family's from Calabria, you know, there's like all these regions, and they have different sayings, like the Sicilians, I think they might call them cutthroats, you know, the Napatons, they'll stab you in the back, but the Calabrese, that's where my family, they're the hardheads, they say. So I like to say, I might have been Calabrese and I had a hard head, but when, I, when Jesus came into my life, he softened my heart and my head, I hope, okay? And so there I am, and I'm in this bad place. Who got through to me because of what was going on in here? Who got into my heart and got, got me set free? The Word of God. I got a fresh revelation about forgiveness. And it's like the Holy Ghost said, that person, he owns you. That person owns you. That person is controlling your whole life. You're being owned by that person. And I got a revelation about forgiveness. And when that, that fresh revelation, it hit me in my spirit, and I finally realized, I got to forgive this person. And if I forgive this person, it sets me free, but it, it'll, in a sense, it sets them free. It just frees everything up. That's how powerful the word is. So when we talk about, you know, the sword of the spirit, it's a double-edged sword, and it first works in us. You know, so I'm mainly talking about us today more than using it against the mountain because it helps us too. And so I let go of it. But then the amazing thing is when I did that and I got set free from that, it then positioned me to use the word further to renew this thing up here and to get that narrative, that stronghold that was in my mind. It was like a stronghold about that person. I began to renew my mind. And, and that got turned around too. Do you see what I'm saying? And so when I was preparing this today, and we're, we're just going to end here today, when I was preparing this today, this very thing that I just told, I believe the Holy Spirit said, you'll be speaking to people today, and that story that you tell is going to be very relevant for some in the, in the building, but also online. And it's going to put them in this position where they can make that decision to forgive this way, and it will be liberating, but then it also positions them to go further and to break that stronghold in their mind that they've had concerning the person or persons that need they need to forgive, and it will liberate that person. And so no raising of hands. This is between whoever it would be in God. But And then I just got this right now. For some, you desire to go further, but this is your first step. That's what the Holy Ghost just said. You're, you're wanting to move into this, you know, the Bible says we go from faith to faith and glory to glory, and you want to move into higher levels of faith and glory, but you're being hindered because this needs to be taken care of. This thing. It's a forgiveness thing. So I'm just going to leave that with you, and I'm going to pray. And you can do that between you and God. Father, I thank you for each person that sat under your word today, Father. And I thank you, Father God, for your word and how powerful it is. And I just pray that your word, Father God, uh, produces fruit in each person's life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at bramer.org.au.